So good to be with you today. We have had a, uh, just a, a, I think for me at least, uh, an incredible first week of praying and fasting. So much to uh, learn and take in, so much growing taking place that's been uh, really powerful. It'll be kind of fun to have all of you just tell your story today of, of what's been going on with you, but it was fun to hear your story. So I'm glad it was fun you, for you. Your, your thing has been for me. a fast from constant sound. And this is part of what I love about this fast is it's not, you know, we're not all doing the same food or whatever. And so you are, you're a constant sound guy. I mean, we nicknamed you Mr. Tappy when you were little because he's, he's always drumming. There's always noise. And so shutting off the noise, I know I've talked to Riley, she's appreciating your fast, but um, talk about it. I think that's more because... <laughs> I'm shutting off my noise. <laughs> uh, no, so my fast is literally uh, a fast from noise in spaces where I just fill the silence. Mm. That's most often in the car. I drive 40 to 45 minutes each way every day to, you know, to and from work. Um, I, I even like in the shower, I've got a little shower speaker because even that time I use to listen to music or listen to a, you know, a podcast or a verse or whatever it is. It's just, there has to be something short podcasts playing. if you're listening to Well, I'm to this. listening in bits and pieces, you know, because yeah, it doesn't matter. But either way, so I, I'm listening and just filling the silence because why not, right? And this week, I've totally shut everything off. We even, uh, we were driving to the store yesterday and Riley hadn't been in my truck since I've shut the sound off. I... <laughs> When I shut my radio off totally, it puts in, like, for whatever reason, Chevy has a, like, a dial clock, like a, a regular, uh, what's it called? Not analog. analog. Analog, thank you. Words are yeah. hard. Words are hard, okay? Yeah, analog yeah. clock. Uh, and it pops up, and she goes, whoa, that's what happens when you shut the sound off? Yeah, it is. Uh, so we've discovered some things about our, our vehicles this week, uh, but also... I, I've never understood what people meant when they say they have racing thoughts. Similar to when people say, oh, I've got heartburn. I, d I don't think I've ever experienced it, so I don't know what it's like. So when people say, I've got racing thoughts, I just can't stop thinking. Uh, I've got so many thoughts inside my head. I don't know that I've ever really, truly struggled with that. Uh, for better or for worse, right? Uh, maybe I just have a dumb brain. Uh, but normally I'm, I'm just kind of low-key take it as it goes and whatever. And when I shut the, the sound off in my car and drove for those first two days, Monday and Tuesday, I literally had the shakes. I had no idea what to do. And I had a million thoughts racing through my head. Thoughts that I would never have thought about had the sound been on. And clearly those first two days kind of awoke, woke something up in me saying, there is some anxiousness. Mm here that we need to deal with. And by we, I mean me and God. Yeah. And it wasn't until Wednesday that I kind of settled into, all right, now that I know, you know, this is where we're going with this, and this is, you know, kind of the, the direction I'm being pushed in. It wasn't until Wednesday and Thursday that I really settled into what is, what's this fast going to look like? Mm. Because it was on Thursday, uh, actually driving home from school, that the section of Psalm 139 popped into my head. Create me a clean heart, O God. Um, I'm sorry, that's not 139. Why am I not thinking? Search me and know me. Search me and know me. Thank you. Uh, I've had several verses in my, in my head this week. Again, racing thoughts. Never experienced it. I don't know what to do. Okay? Um, but, but search me and know, and know my thoughts. Know me. Know my heart. Know who I am. Uh, search out search out wrongdoing in me, search, figure me out, get to mm. know me, God. Mm. And that was what you shared in the devotion for mm. that day um, that I didn't read until later on in the evening. So it was just kind of like a, it was an eye-opening moment. It was for me one of those like punchy in the face um, kind of experiences that I would not have experienced had I just said, you know what, Monday, I didn't like it. So I'm turning the radio back mm. on. Or mm. Monday and Tuesday, clearly this isn't working. I'm going to shift and do a different kind of fast or, or work on something else. It does. It takes time uh, to kind of figure out how God wants to work. And not saying that 
four days is the magic number. You know, that's right. when you'll figure out what right. God has in store. But, um, but I think giving it that time and working through this first week, although it has been a messy week for me hmm. um, in terms of the fast, it, um, it's been eye-opening. Two things uh, that pop into my mind as you're talking. We, we walked into a song that we actually had as part of one of the emails one day. In fact, I think the one you're talking about with the search mail, God. And uh, at the end, she sings the words, you memorize me, you memorize me. And I remember when I heard that, I was so caught off guard by those words, you memorize me. God knows every detail of, you know, my face, my hands, the back of my hand, by everything about me. He knows everything inside of me. So when I, when I pray, search me, oh God, the, the thing that's ironic and beautiful is he knows me better than I know me. And so when I listen to him, I'm actually getting the true view of me rather than the one that I like to make up of myself, which is, which is beautiful. The other thing that you're exposing in all of this is that there's a great advantage, to uh, a spiritual advantage, to praying and fasting over the course of many days as opposed to just one. We could have just said, this Sunday is the day of prayer and fasting. Would have been nothing wrong with that and it would have had spiritual benefit. But when we get days into this, there's almost a, there's almost a, a, a predictability about it. I, I watch it unfold day after day where I think, you know, like even the way you said you weren't, it was only Wednesday and Thursday they really finally digging into it. We think we're going to dig into it from day one. And there's this layering that goes on that we're more and more we get to know God and get to know ourselves. And, and you'll see that more in week two and even into the third week. So, so there's a benefit in, in a longer term as opposed to just a, a day or a few hours. For me, I'm doing a few, a few different things. And, and I'm careful about this. I think in fasting, the Bible says, you know, don't go around declaring. It's not, it's not to put, call attention to yourself, but I think it is important for the sake of example to have an idea of some things that you could do. So I said last week, one of the things I'm doing is fasting from variety. And so my meals are very, they're very predictable and, and ordinary. Which is very anti-you. Yeah, I, I, like, I like variety. We can't have, I can't ask him for a recipe because it's like, I don't know, I just do a little of this, a little of that, and it's good. Uh, so the little lack different of every time is, yeah. is, is yeah. truly insane. Yeah. So it's it's a plop of boring yeah. oatmeal in the morning. It's a it's the same old salad for lunch. It's fish for dinner, and just the same. So the lack of variety is there. Then, like mom, if she goes on like a two day fast, we wouldn't be able to find her. She'd be gone. <laughs> she just she with, just she'd evaporate. Away. Right. There would be nothing <laughs> left. So uh, so we're trying to figure out what, what could we do with her with fasting that would work. And, and so we realized like around our house, a lot of times TV is on, not because we're watching, but just for noise, or radio is on just for noise. And so we, we took the approach of what if we just said only one, only one. So instead of a binge, one episode. Instead of three radio programs, one hour or whatever. And once it's done, it's done. You can't go back for more. No seconds. It's done. And that is really, that's grown us and challenged us. And then a piece of what I do during these fasts, I like to do a cumulative fast. So like this week I did one day without food. Next week I'll do two days without food. And the week after three days without food. Each of those are different ways of pushing something away that I enjoy in order to come into greater engagement with God. So I want to encourage you, you know, maybe today you're walking and you're going like, oh, they're fasting. I didn't know that. You can start today. That's fine. Or maybe up until now you've been, you've been hearing what everybody else is doing and you're going, that's nice, but that's not for me. It's for all of us. Jump in. Maybe this week you kind of fiddled around the edges of it. You played with it, but you didn't really take it seriously. Dive into it. There is tremendous spiritual benefit in this for us as individuals and for us as a church. So, so please uh, go ahead and get involved in the fast. We have a few things going on around here. Uh, we sent out the update yesterday. Every week we give you a scripture read passage to read uh, on Saturday to get your heart and mind ready for the morning. You might take that you know, Saturday night, 10 o'clock, you're about to go off to uh, bed or, or just kind of getting, getting your mind at rest, listen to the passage, soak that in so they can be there for you the next day. You, of course, by now know that we're back to our service times of 9 and 1030. Uh, again, in about 20 minutes, it'll be 11. Someone might not know that. They'll come walking in. Just act like we just started. Be very polite. Um, but it's, we're kind of getting back into this rhythm and it's, and it's been nice couple of things happening right now. Groups, our new groups are starting this week. They're starting today. 
If you go on and look at the group options, whether on the website or on your app, you'll find that we have a, a fun variety of options, and some of them are being led by either leaders that are brand new as leaders, or this might be the second group they've ever done. I want to encourage you, you know, if you've not done a group for a while or you're not doing one right now, look to those people. You could actually be an encouragement and a support to them by joining in on what they're doing. So uh, take advantage of those opportunities to get involved in groups and eventually Events are there as well. We've got Green Lake and, and camp and uh, annual meeting coming up, so look at those. You actually shared in the last service uh, kind of a, a, a cool breakthrough of a prayer this to, from this week, which you know may not seem like a big deal to you, but, but it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I pray a lot about the different elements that go into camp, starting like as soon as Green Lake ends one year, I'm praying for the next one. Uh, so I've had two years of praying on, <laughs> on this upcoming one. Um, and one of the areas that I've been truly like, but a bit of that anxiousness <laughs> uh, that I've been dealing with is where are we going to get the transportation? Because as silly as it sounds, we need to have tons of vehicles because how many acres? Not, not just to get up there, but yeah, when we get there, right. it's, it's, uh, it's it, 900 acres. 900 acres of land to move around, and everybody's kind of all over the ground. So we could just get a charter bus and haul everybody up there, but then we'd waste more than half the workday just walking to these work sites. Mm -hmm. So having the, the flexibility of vans and, and different vehicles um, is huge. And last year, when everything shut down, we held on for dear life trying, wanting, praying, hoping that Green Lake would be a reality. And when it wasn't, we called. We were, uh, I actually had my mom call for me because I was like, I, I can't make the call for me. So, <laughs> mommy, would you please? Because um, I was just like, I'm like, I, I think if I call, I'm going to break down. So she did. Um, and the, the guy who owns the rental place that we've been going to for years um, said, thank you for the phone call. You just made my decision for me. I'm closing down my business. And as silly as that sounds, that's like a huge, huge thing because we get eight to 10 vans from them every year. So having to go to like Enterprise here and then go over to Hertz over here, you know, and deal with, well, you know, we told you it was a 15 passenger, but it's only a 12. We had that happen one year. Um, or we show up and there's a flat tire and a broken window. We also had that happen one year. Um, or your reservations, sorry, we don't have them after all. We had that happen. Yeah. So in all, this place, Crest Rental, was like our, our go-to spot. They were just reliable, and we knew that you know, they worked really well with us. They gave us great price. Everything about it was a great experience. And so part of it, when they said, we're shutting down, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> what are we going to do? And you know, as we're looking into, all right, we're going to Green Lake this year. We need vans. Uh, we looked, and Google said that they were still open. So I'm like, this is amazing. But they had a, a different name. Turns out the owner sold the business, and they're going to keep the vans open, like still available to rent and everything, rather than selling them off like we had thought uh, the old owner was going to do. So as stupid as it might sound, we have vans rented for Green Lake, they're and that is a huge to answer to prayer. Yeah. All that to say... We still need every single one of you on your knees praying for this summer. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't want to jump the gun. And, you know, I know it's January, but, but praying for Green Lake, praying for day camp, praying for our, for our state, praying yeah. for Wisconsin, yeah. um, that, that we can do this because it is, it's not just for fun. This is, this is moving, moving the chains for God. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. if you would, just join us in prayer as we, mm -hmm. as we head into that, um, that fun but also uh, hugely important uh, summer camp season. I'm so glad you shared it. Thanks so much. So every day you've been receiving emails you know, that follow along with what we're doing, themes of the fast. And I hope that you're reading those and, and, and getting into them. Again, there's a song attached to each. Take the time to listen to the song. That piece is intended for some slowing. We tend to just speed through life. We need some slowing. We need to be quiet in the presence of God. The primary theme of this week was a, was a question. Where am I with God? As, as you took the time to push away food or push away whatever you were pushing away, 
you start to have this, this revelation of where you are in your relationship with God. Where are you in your walk? What does it look like right now? What, what, you know, how do you locate yourself in relationship to him and in relationship to his story? So we're going to spend a little more time with that question today. For some of you, you've been probing that all week long. Some of you didn't even know the emails were there. So we're going to help you get caught up. Where am I with God? Jesus loved to use analogies from nature in order to talk about spiritual truths. I I tend to believe that if he was preaching to us today, snow would enter into the story. He'd always be grabbing something from nature and saying, kingdom of heaven is like, and he'd point to something, or, or your relationship with God is like, and he'd point to something that you could see that was right there. So he'd look around nature, especially, especially agriculture, and have all these different analogies as to this is what the spiritual life is like. You know, for example, that he talked about the sower and the seed, which is really a story about the soil, the kind of soil that receives the seed, the vine and the branches, the thorns and the thistles, seeds. He talked about mustard seeds, grain seeds as being images of faith and growth planting and harvest, all these different images. He'd just be walking around and say, see that? That's like, see that? This is like. And he'd he'd point and bring those into the spiritual story. And so today, we're going to take some time to look at uh, some nature analogies, a nature analogy that's taking place in my house right now. I love to plant a garden in the, winter, in, the, in, the, in the summer. I love having fresh vegetables, all that kind of stuff. And um, if you were to come to my house right now and you went into our family room and looked at the basement door, you'd, you'd look at the door and, and you'd look at the bottom of the door, the crack of the door, and you would see this, this glowing bright light coming from the basement, glowing so strong that you might think that I have the Ark of the Covenant in the basement. I mean, it, it's just like this absolutely intense glowing light. And as you open the door and kind of wince at first and walk down the steps, you'd see at the bottom that I have one of these really fun hydroponic plant growing gizmos. I Prime Day had them on special. I'm like, it'd be kind of fun to grow basil in the winter. So I got one of these last year. And we were growing basil. We couldn't keep up. I mean, we're, we're throwing basil and ice cream, you know, everything we could just because we had to use up our basil. So if basil's good, what about tomatoes? What about lettuce? So now it looks like a little farm downstairs with all this stuff. I got jalapenos, all kinds of stuff growing downstairs. It's been a blast. Part of what's been really fun about it is I have to go look every day. And so every day I'm seeing the different stages of growth that these plants are going through. You don't plant them in soil. They grow in water. So you're planting them in a little sponge and you put the seed on in and you drop it down in the water and you have a little container of magic juice and you put a couple capfuls of the magic juice in there and it's crazy like when you put the seed in you put a little plastic cap over the top it serves as like a greenhouse now I'm one of these people I get a peek at every stage of growth so like every 20 minutes I'm going down lifting the cap to see what's going on I was blown away like the tomatoes they literally started to sprout a root the day after I put the seed in. It happened that fast that I could see the growth taking place. So as I've been looking at these things and watching them grow and see what's happening, it it really brings me to that question, where am I with God? And I look at these plants and think, "There there are some analogies there. There are some things for us to follow along the way in terms of answering that question. So if I were to ask that question outright to everybody in the room, where am I with God? we could literally have hundreds of different answers. I'm going to give you five broad categories today. And there are a whole bunch of answers within each category. As you look at these, you might think that they're linear. You might think that it's kind of a start-to-finish kind of thing. And to some degree, there is a little bit of a linear nature. We started a place, we ended a place, no doubt. But part of what I'm seeing is that you may be in a particular stage or in this stage, but it's also actually possible in your life to be at different places of engagement with God depending on, you know, whether it's job or family or whatever might be going on. So as you look at this today, don't kind of look at one area and check it off. It's possible that you'll find a few different areas of engagement with God along the way. So, so this is what we're going to look at. Stages of engagement. Where am I with God? The first stage we're going to call the seed stage. This is, this is the potential for new life. If we're looking at it strictly linear, that would be that point in your life that you did not have God in your life and the seed of the gospel was planted. 
The seed of the gospel was planted in the soil of your life, and you had to decide, am I going to accept God or am I going to reject God? Am I going to accept the gospel or am I going to push the gospel away? What am I going to do with that? But the truth is that throughout our lives, we keep receiving other seeds. When Jesus was talking about the parable of the sower and the seeds, he explains it in Luke chapter 8. He says, okay, this is what it was all about. And here's what he says. He says, in this parable, the seed is the word of God. You got to understand that. He's not, I'm not saying the seed stage is you. You're the dirt. You're the soil. You're the receiver of the seed. The seed is given to you, it's planted in you, and it either has, it has the opportunity to grow, and we're either going to take the seed and allow growth to take place, or we're going to reject the seed. So it's not only that salvation point, but really along the way. God continually gives us word. He continually gives us pieces of his word, and he says, are you going to accept this or reject this? Are you going to take this and obey it? Or are you going to disobey it? He points out an area of our life that we're not living the way God wants us to live. And he asks, okay, so are you going to obey me? Or are you going to continue to do your own thing? So there's this constant seed stage going on in our lives. The seed stage we would describe with the word simply opportunity. God's giving you an opportunity in a unique way to engage with him. Are you going to receive it or are you going to reject it? Are you going to take it in or are you going to push it away? Seed. The second word to call sprout. Sprout is from the point that green appears on through the plant growing but not yet having any blossoms or fruit. Okay, so, so sprout is the, it's the growth of the plant. It's when, it's when the plant just begins to do the strengthening necessary in order to eventually support growth, support fruit. I learned a verse years ago, a friend gave me a, a bookmark, a little plastic bookmark with this verse on it. And so it's been in my, it's been in my head since high school. Colossians 2, Paul says, let your roots grow down into him. And let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. God calls us in the sprout stage to just grow. He wants us to grow. In many ways, this stage is a very inward focused stage. It's a stage where we're just, we're taking in all the truth and all the opportunities we can to see growth take place in our lives. In the spring when I go off to the nursery and grab some tomato plants that are going to go in the ground, I'm always amazed that those little plants, they're pretty spindly, pretty wiggly, you know? I look at them and go, how in the world is they ever going to support a tomato? It's not possible. And I put them in the ground, and you know what happens within a couple of weeks? It's kind of amazing. The plant doesn't really grow a lot of height, but it's amazing how firm that the stalk of the plant becomes. How at that point, if I were to bend it again, I might actually crack it because it's starting to get strength. And what's happening in this sprout stage, it's, it's all about roots. It's all about getting rooted. Most of what's happening at this stage is it's kind of invisible, really. It's all happening underground. It's all happening internally. There's a growth taking place within me that is providing the opportunity at some point to be strong enough to produce some fruit. Fruit, as Jesus says, that will last. But if we don't do that hard work, we don't do the hard work of growth at that point, we will either produce uh, no fruit or very immature fruit will produce stunted fruit. God is calling on us in this stage to get rooted, to grow our roots down deep into him. Then comes the third stage. The third stage is the fruit stage. This is, this is when the fun begins. This is when, in the, in the truest sense, we realize the purpose of our life. We realize the purpose of our salvation. Jesus said in, in John 15, 16, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I chose you and appointed you. So you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. He says, why are you here? You're to be a reproducer. You're to have fruit growing from that vine, growing from that branch. 
The seed had to be planted. It had to sprout. The sprout had to be strengthened. But in time, we're ready to bear some fruit. So I'm looking at my little tomatoes at home, and I'm thinking that I'm still in sprout stage. The, the plants are about this tall now, and they are sturdy, and they're strong, and there's lots of green. There are lots of leaves. And so last night, I'm looking at them, thinking I'm in sprout stage, and I notice I've actually got some blossoms, some open blossoms. I've got, I've got some tomatoes about to be formed. Now, this is the fun part with this thing. I had to buy a bee. So not a, not a bumblebee bee. This bee's on a stick about this long, and he's got little... little uh, I don't even know what to call little plastic things on. I press a button and he goes, bzzz, and it's now my job to go from blossom to blossom bzzz, and spread pollen from blossom to blossom so that I can have. I'm, I'm a bee. It's so fun. It's been a riot. It's been, it's been I mean, it's funny because Dave Pappish, he's our bee guy here at church. I, I don't know if you know this, but when we have coffee and tea out there, the honey out there, that's Southfield honey. We, we, well, we don't produce that. Our bees produce that, okay? So now I've taken on this new role of being the bee to my tomato plants. And, 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 and there's a bud there, and pretty soon there's going to be a piece of fruit there, and that's going to be amazing. That's why I planted the plant. I didn't plant the plant to go, wow, that thing's really green. Cool. Woo, I, I have a tomato plant. I want tomatoes. God's going, I didn't plant you to be all leafy. I want fruit. Come on, get to work. Fruit that will last. So the fruit stage is about investing. You see, in, in the rooted stage, we're taking in. In the fruit stage, we're giving our life. I laugh sometimes with parents, especially younger plants. All these kids ever, it's give, give, give. They never give me anything. All I do is give, 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 give. They take, I give. I, I love a little bit of reciprocation. Guess what? Guess what the nature of parenting is? Give, give, give. You're producing fruit. That's the job right now, to give your life for the sake of producing new life. We invest. That's the fruit stage. Then comes the harvest stage. The harvest stage is when somebody comes along and says, that looks really good, breaks it off, and goes and makes a sandwich. Goes, goes and, can you imagine this poor tomato plant? out there, he got these little maters on him, and he sees me coming down the steps, and he goes, not today, dude. I'm keeping these for me. These are my maters, and you're not going to touch them. No, it, it's amazing how this tomato plant is quite cooperative and says, do what you want, have at it. We are not quite as cooperative. We are not nearly as cooperative. John the Baptist has one job in life, there's Jesus. There's Jesus. He's right over there. I know I look funny, camel hair, eating locusts. I get it. But there's Jesus. There's Jesus. And at some point, everybody goes, oh, there's Jesus. And John says, my work here is done. I, I'm done. In fact, what does he say in John 30? He must increase and I must decrease. He must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. He recognizes my purpose has been fulfilled. Harvest is about surrender. It's about giving up the fruit. And you know what I've found generally? We don't like to give up the fruit. We like to hold on for dear life. You know what the purpose is of having children? Getting rid of them. Right? Sending them out. But what do some of us do? Not on your life. You're mine, mine, all mine. We're not, we're not going to hand them the keys to their life and say, now you go drive. No, no, you stay nice and close. You stay here. You're mine. I'm not letting go. And yet the purpose, you have fulfilled your parenting purpose when you have your first Christmas and nobody's there. What? What? No! What's going on? You, you're, you're actually surrendering the fruit that you've produced. Maybe you've been involved in some form of a ministry, leading a group. You've been involved in, in a relationship with somebody, helping them to grow. And, and you come to a point in that real relationship or that, that ministry that you realize the only way that that person is going to grow and the only way this particular ministry is going to grow is if I surrender the fruit. If I let it go have a life of its own. But what do we do? Oh, mine. We clutch. 
We refuse to let go. And you know what often happens then? The fruit dies on the vine. It never realizes the purpose for which it was created, to go ahead and reproduce and start a new life cycle all over again. Let me give you a fifth stage of engagement, and that's the stage of disease. Now, disease is not inevitable, but sadly, disease is all too predictable because we're human beings and we sin. And so whether it is the seed is planted and it does not grow, or the sprout begins and, it, and it's got distortion and mutation, or the fruit is withered and not quite right, or, or there it is, fruit dying on the vine because the plant refuses to let go, we enter disease phases. Jesus said in John chapter 15, I'm the vine, Father's the garden, gardener, he cuts off every branch that doesn't bear fruit. He prunes it so that it'll grow it better. He removes the dead, he removes the sin, he removes whatever needs to be removed in order that the fruit might grow. He says, remain in me and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. This is a spiritual disease. We think we can do it without God. I can do this on my own. I don't need you, God. He says, you can't bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you're going to bear a lot of fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And our disease is to think that we can do it all without God. With disease, I, I refer to this as, a, as a, a sort of disorder. It's not the way it's supposed to be. We're not receiving the word the way we're supposed to. We're not, we're not doing the hard work of growing. We're not, we're not investing in the season of fruit. We're not surrendering. There's a sin taking place, a rebellion against God, a way in which we're saying, I'm going to do it my way, God, and not your way. Now, each of these seasons, each of these engagement uh, areas has an assignment. There's something that God wants us to fulfill in each engagement area. So as you look at the engagement assignments, if the seed is about opportunity, then we have one assignment during that season, and that is to receive the seed. To receive it. Not to reject it. Not to stall it. But to receive it wholeheartedly. In both Mark and Luke, they tell the story of the sower of the seed that Jesus told. And they talk about the good soil. Jesus is explaining the good soil and he says, the good soil are the ones who, who hear the word and they accept it. They receive it. And because of that, they bear fruit. Luke says it this way. They hear the word and when they do, they hold it fast. They don't spit the seed out. They don't get rid of the seed. They take it in with an honest and good heart. And then they bear fruit with patience. And so in the seed season, our assignment is to receive it. What is it? What's the part of the word of God he's giving you today that he's saying, will you please finally receive this? And you've been saying, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to hear what you have to say. Perhaps part of where you are with God today is you've been pushing away the seed, the seed that he wants to implant and see grow, the opportunity that he wants you to take. How about the sprout? For the sprout, if sprout is all about being rooted, then our assignment during that season is to gather. It's to take in all the nutrients we can, whether that nutrient involves what you're doing right now, Congratulations, you passed the test. You're here hearing the Word of God. Hearing the Word of God on your own as you read it. Listening to other sources. Getting involved with spiritual mentors. All these different ways that we take in and grow. We just have a season of, we're going to make sure that the plant is well nurtured so that the roots grow down deep. So, so what is the problem in the sprouted season? The rooted season? When we're lazy. When we don't do what Bible, the Bible says to do, uh, study hard to show yourself approved to God. Don't be a lazy worker, but a hard worker. Do the hard work of growth. Growth is hard work. You know, we look at some people and they, they just seem to be naturally smart and naturally gifted. Uh, yeah, this one's not on that. We're okay. So Brian, Nate's girlfriend, Shannon, we're at the graduation at ACU. 
And every time we turn around, this girl is being mentioned for another honor, for another thing going on up front. I mean, just on and on, everyone. And I'm, and I'm like, I knew she's smart, but dang, holy cow, this is nuts. This is nuts. And, you know, talking to Shannon later, I'm like, they mentioned you quite a bit. That was kind of crazy. And she's a very humble person. She really is. And I'm like, so how do you how do you do that? Because you know, I thought they should have mentioned my name a lot. They didn't. And she's like, I worked a lot. I worked a lot. Hard, hard. She's naturally smart, but she did the hard work to get there. You look at some people and you think, oh, they're naturally smart. They have it made. I promise you, they're the same people that worked like crazy to learn what they've learned. Spiritual growth doesn't just get... I wish we had a spiritual growth super zapper. You know, I wish we could just, bang, there you go, now you're spiritual. It's hard work. It takes hard work. It takes cooperation with the Spirit of God. Gathering so that the roots can grow strong. It's a hidden growth that takes place. We don't even know that it's taking place until the fruit starts. He says, let your roots go down deep into him. Let your lives be built on him. That sounds very passive. Let it happen to you. He's saying there's a cooperative work. Don't be lazy. Do the hard work of growth. Fruit. The fruit stage is about investing. So what do we do? We give and we give and we give and we give. You may finally be at a stage in your growth that it seems like all you're ever doing is giving. Good. Good. Because you're finally at the fruit-bearing stage. You know, at the fruit-bearing stage, it's not as much about the gathering. That's not to say you won't do an occasional retreat or read a book or listen to a, a podcast or something like that. But you're not primarily existing at that, at that point for yourself. You're existing to give. You're existing to send your life to the fruit so that the fruit has the opportunity to produce a new cycle of life. And so give and be joyful in the giving. Give of yourself. John 15, 8, Jesus says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Not just single. Oh, look at my tomato. Much. He wants lots, right? Showing yourselves to be my disciples. Here's the part I love. It's not just giving our life to the fruit, but it's giving glory to God. It's pointing back to God and saying, I could never have this without you. I mean, those of us that have parented, I could never have done that without you. Ever. And so we're giving and giving and giving. How about harvest? Harvest is a season of surrender. And so the assignment is to let go. We do not like to let go. Now this isn't an end of life assignment. God calls on you to start letting go the second you're born. We're born with clenched fists, right? Few babies are born going like this. They're born like this. I mean, from the womb, mine, mine, all mine. I'm not going to let go. Tight, clenched fists. And God throughout life is saying, you got to open them up. You got to let go. You got to let go. And we don't like to let go. I've walked with a lot of people through the spiritual journey, and I've been amazed at people who, in their earlier life, you know, they, they really have a sense of spiritual giant about them, and they get into their 70s, and they get into their 80s, and even into their 90s, and that season is a true season of just letting go, continual letting go, letting go of what you thought was your identity, letting go of, of friends that have gone before you, all the letting go, and there's so many people, they come to that stage, and there is a resistance, just a resistance to letting go. They want to hold on, and God says, you've got to release your grip. Mark 8, Jesus says, if you want to come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it. You're going to hold on to that tomato. It's going to rot on the vine, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel's sake will save it. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. John 12.24, he says, I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it's just a single seed. Yet its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. There's a concept I heard years ago. You probably heard of it too. Uh, and many different authors have, have used it. It's the idea of dying a thousand little deaths. Dying many little deaths. That daily, literally daily, I'm dying little deaths. 
all the time, a continual surrendering, a continual letting go. I truly believe one of the great assignments of the spiritual journey is surrendering, just letting go to God. A couple of different authors say it this way. The greatest of all crosses is self. If we die in part every day, we shall have but little to do at the last. These little daily deaths will destroy the power of final dying. Another person says, we each die countless little deaths on our way to the last. There's a continual surrendering, a continual letting go. Are you letting go or are you clutching? How about disease? If disease is about disorder, there's one thing to do, and that's to repent. You've received the word of God, and you're saying no. Saying no is sin. It's disobedience. And God says, repent. It's time to go in a different... That's what, that's what repentance means. It's the Greek word metanoia that literally means change your mind. Meta, change, noia, mind. Change your mind. You, you take a 180 degree turn. I was going that way and now I'm going this way. It's not just a little veer. It's not just a little adjustment. It's an all out, boom, I'm flipping the other way. I'm going the other way. Peter says in Acts chapter 3, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I love that line because the disease season, the sin season is so exhausting. It just wears us out. And God wants to send refreshment to your soul. He wants to send new life to your soul. And you will only realize that new life and that refreshment when the disease is gone, the disorder is gone, and you repent of whatever it is that's been holding you in the wrong place. And so I give you all of them today. Where are you with God? Like I said, it's possible you're in more than one place. Where are you with the seed of the word of God? Are you receiving it? Or are you rejecting it? You're receiving it on conditions? I'll hold on to it and I'll let it grow when I let it, want to let it grow. Or are you unreservedly receiving the seed? Sprouting? Are you gathering? Or are you being a little lazy? Just hoping to be super zapped? Hoping something will happen to you instead of doing the hard work? Fruit, investing. Are you giving or do you find yourself saying, I'm, I'm just, I'm sick of giving. I'm, I'm sick and giving everything for the sake of the fruit. I just want a little me. No, I just need a lot of me. Harvest, surrender. You letting go or you're clutching for dear life. Disease. Repent or no, my way. My way. My way. So during communion, we're going to leave those up and let you think about them. As you do, I'm going to have Brian join me up here. And because we're in a season of prayer and fasting, we're going to spend a few minutes praying. And so I'm going to take a, a turn and then Brian and we'll, we'll talk to God together uh, as we move toward communion. God, we, we, we come to you today with that question of examination. Where am I with God? And I, I love what Brian brought up earlier, that a piece of discovering the answer is to just say, God, search me and know me. You've memorized me. Tell me what you see. And, and as you tell us right now, you might be saying, you're rejecting the seed. You, you might be saying, being lazy about getting rooted. You might be saying, I created you to bear fruit. What in the world are you doing? You're all green and pretty, but get some buds. You might be saying, that fruit is ripe. When are you going to let it go? It's going to rot on the vine soon if you don't let go. You might be saying, your growth is stunted and it's going nowhere until you release the sin. Until you repent. We open our hearts today. God, examine us and know us that we might know ourselves. 
as we open ourselves to be vulnerable to you, there's fear. Mm. There's fear of, of judgment. There's fear of change. There's, there's fear on so many levels. But that fear doesn't come from you. That fear comes from our relationships that we've been vulnerable in and gotten hurt. That fear comes from positions that we've put ourselves in. We've put ourselves out there and now we have the scars from the wounds that we received from those experiences. I pray that as a church, as your church, that we wouldn't be scared as we approach you, that we wouldn't be fearful as we open ourselves up to you to learn what way you want to change us during the season. Whether we're in the seed, sprout, fruit, harvest, or disease stage, God, let us be truly open to hearing what you have to say as you speak into our lives. You have memorized us. In the quiet of this moment, tell us what you see. What do you see? Maybe you see something amazing and beautiful. Let us know. Maybe you see something distorted and broken. Give us the courage to see it. Do you see something that could be that isn't yet? Potential, either that's down the road or one that we're just pushing away and resisting. Tell us what you see. God, don't let us be afraid to see what you see. Show us. God, I pray specifically for those of us who are in the, the disease stage. Mm. You tell us in Romans 3 that we have all sinned, that we have all fallen short of your glorious standard. And yet, God, it's really hard for us to break those sinful habits. Yet we may be able to acknowledge, yeah, I'm not perfect. But then there are habits that we have in our lives that we feel own us. Whether it's toxic relationships, language, some addictive habit that we have formed in our sinful nature, God, you've promised that when we enter into the relationship with you, our old lives are gone, our new lives have begun. Before that new life can begin, we need to repent. Before we can begin sanctification, we must come to you, admit that wrongdoing, and wholeheartedly seek change. I pray that you would help us root out those issues, mm. those sins that have a hold of us, and that you give us your strength, that you give us your courage, that you give us your power in fighting against it. Mm. Would you go ahead and take the bread in your hand? This bread in many ways is the symbol of a seed, a body that was placed in the ground, a body that died, and the death was with, not without purpose. The planting of the seed was intentional in that, new, in, in that new life was to spring forth from it. Not only the new life of the resurrected Christ, but the new life that we can experience because of his resurrection. Let's take the bread together. Would you take the cup? The cup is yet again another symbol from nature, a crushed grape. Who wants crushed grapes? You go to Jewel, you look for the roundest, firmest, most whole grapes. Crushed grape. And yet from a crushed grape came juice. From the crushing of a body came blood. A blood that is able to forgive our sins. 
Thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood. We repent of what we hold on to and receive your forgiveness. Let's take the cup together. Our team's going to come now. We're going to sing a couple of songs together. And um, one of them in particular really hit me this week. As Brian already mentioned, there's this um, kind of this unraveling that takes place during a fast. You, you think you know where you are, and then one day you have kind of a wake-up. A new layer is revealed. And I was out walking Thursday morning, and I'm praying. And all of a sudden... My conversation with God just went in a place that was unexpected and, and a real surprise, really, really caught me off guard and uh, had a very honest, honest conversation with God. In fact, I think one of the things I was taught years ago, a friend said, um, to ask yourself the question, what's the truest thing you can say to God right now? And truest doesn't mean, you know, a truth. It means what's the most honest thing you can say to God right now? And I, and I voiced some real honesty, some real honesty. I came to church and uh, was listening to worship and um, the team sang the second song that we're going to be doing. And as those words were sung, I thought, wow, this is the truest thing I can say to God right now. And in many ways, it was not the same as what I had said in the morning. But both were true. Both were true. And I think that uh, there are times that our experiences say one thing, and the nature and character of God say another. And we need to be listening to the nature and character of God in order to know what is truly true and to embrace it. So uh, both songs are songs of the journey and songs that lead us to great places in our fast. So let's stand and sing together. That's so good. That's so good. You know, I, I, we don't clap to say good job. We clap to say Amen. What does amen mean? So be it. This is the truth. This is the truth. Amen. God is a good, good father. Let me tell you how good God is. Paul says in Philippians 1.6 that he, God, who began a good work in you, will be faithful to complete it. You don't have to worry that the work isn't going to get done. He's going to complete it. The question is, are you going to cooperate with him? Or are you going to fight him every step of the way? What are you going to do? He wants you to cooperate with him. He's got a beautiful work that he wants to do in you. So let him work. Let him work and grow. Really grow. Great to see you today. You enjoy your week. I got nothing new. How could I express all my gratitude? I could sing these songs. As I often do But every song must end And you never